Welcome to a new episode of our HardwareX podcast featuring author interviews. HardwareX, as you know, is an open access journal established to promote free and open source designing, building, and customizing of scientific infrastructure. I am your host, Santosh Pandey from Iowa State University. Our guest today is Dr. Mathis Carvello, who is a senior research associate at Southern Cross University in New South Wales, Australia. He is affiliated with the Center of Coastal Biogeochemistry Research, Environmental Analysis Laboratory, and Southern Cross Analytical Research Services. Dr. Carvello serves on the editorial board of our journal. He has a keen interest in laboratory automation. He recently published a paper in HardwareX titled Meow, a Microbalance Auto Sampler that is freely available through open access. Dr. Carvello, thank you so much for coming to our podcast. I read through your paper. Your paper describes a nice, low-cost automated device to transfer sub-milligram range of solid powder to a microbalance. This would have applications in so many laboratories where scientific measurement and weighing of powders are routinely performed. To start with, we all have worked in chemistry labs and consider the manual tasks of weighing powder too trivial to discuss. Doesn't it require considerable dexterity and visual and tactile perception and is often a bottleneck in some bioanalytical experiments, as explained in your paper? Yeah, yeah, that's all true. As you said, it's, 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 it looks trivial, but at the same time, it's something right. hard to be... If you think about it, it's pretty hard. You, you have your hands working and you don't think about them. You have, as you said, the right. eyes paying attention and all, and you get some practice. After you have some practice, it's all, almost automated. And it's still, it's something nobody likes to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the students come to the lab and uh, look, now you have to spend the whole day here in the balance. And then nobody's happy about that. You know, everybody wants to put someone else to do it. And right. <laughs> so, uh, right. I, yeah, like I, I, through the years doing this open source hardware, I thought about that. And I, first I thought about another part of the process that is the wrapping. I mean, in our case, we, we, we use some tinfoil. We put the powder inside, we weigh, and then we wrap. And first I thought about automating the wrapping because it, that's what the beginners usually find hard. But then I realized that what really takes time is weighing. You know, uh, it's not properly weighing, it's waiting for the balance. We put the thing there and then the balance always takes a few seconds, sometimes depending on the, I don't know, the air conditions that will take longer. And this is what right. really takes time. And that's easier. I mean, in, f from the perspective of uh, a machine, it's easier to perform. So then I, I thought, yeah, I'll try that. And it was hard for me. <laughs> I spent a year and a half trying it. I almost gave up okay. many times. Yeah, now it works, but with some limitations. I explained the paper. It's good for one substance many times. It's like I imagine a factory, like a, a soft drink factory, Coca-Cola factory. So you have a, all the setup for one drink. If you want to have, I don't know, 30 different drinks, you would need a deep more, much more complex setup. And so it's, it's the same situation there. So, it's, so uh, it, it won't solve all the problems, but it helps. So could you tell us something about automated weighing machines that are available in the market and how do they work? I've never used them myself. I talked to some people about them, but uh, they, they are very expensive okay. because they, the, the target market is usually the big pharma corporations. Like they have an industry plant to make some medicine or something like that. And for these, right. it would be useful. The opinion of the users is not very high on those machines. So my impression is that they don't really solve the problem completely. It's a hard problem, I think. 
the, the thing is that you have many different powders. Each powder has pro a property. It's not like water or liquids. Many liquids are, many solutions you prepare are just basically, maybe from the physics perspective, just water, yeah, viscosity or this right. kind of thing. So you, yes. you have a pipette and it will work for almost everything, but not for powders. So when you have powders, you need to to see uh, the, the grain size, you need to see the statics or the dryness of the air, and uh, um, or as viscosity, uh, not viscosity, but the stickness. Some powders, they stick to stuff, and then they don't really And the fall. particle size. I think particle the particle size, size is... Right. Particle okay. size is critical, yes. So uh, then I, I must say I, I haven't tested everything. I, I've tested a few things, and uh, I know what works for me. But anyway, let's okay. uh, talking about the other machines. Uh, what I found out is there are different models, different uh, mechanisms to deal with all that, and uh, they some of them work, some of them apparently don't work very well. Uh, I remember this person in particular was talking about uh, his case was like this. He 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 works in the same thing that I do. We measure uh, isotopes, stable isotopes. We need to prepare standards. So what we do is we measure ten samples and then we put two or three standards. To see if things are going well, you know, it's this is the standard right. protocol. So yeah. we prepare many standards. Like uh, uh, if you have 200 samples to measure, you have I know 50 standards. It's a lot. It's a big chunk of the of the whole thing. So he yeah. wanted to automate that because it's easier. It's uh, then you deal with one or two substances. It's much easier. And then he he talked to them and they made something for him that was going to work very well. But then they someone another company bought the company and then they changed everything. Like they were going to charge ten times more. <laughs> then <on, laughs> yeah. they said, right. "No, sorry, I can't." And then that's it. He gave up. But and then when he saw my machine, he was happy. Oh, okay, this is pretty nice. You know, this this uh, this will really fill a hole in the in that part. And uh, that's why I I, I think it it will, I hope it will be useful. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Could you describe your invention? What components it has and uh, you mentioned about the tasks that it does, but yeah, okay, uh, okay, I'll try to explain. Um, you could call it a robot, yeah, it's a kind of Cartesian robot. Yeah, I mean, okay. you have those three, you, uh, you have the three axes, x, y, and z, and right. all movements on these axes are linear movements. Are not uh, this is not like a robotic arm. In my opinion, the key part of the machine is is the end effect. Uh, I mean, if if you're familiar with robotics, uh, that's how you call like the hand or the the thing that really does the job there. So it's a double double end effect, I would call it. So one half of it picks uh, tin capsules, which are very thin and fragile. So basically, what I did, I I I, I, <laughs> I struggled with that a lot. But then I found that the best way to do was just to use what I know works, which are tweezers. So tweezers, that's what I use when I do it manually. So then I thought, why not? So I'll just take a, a tweezers, put here, and, and make it, it move. And that worked very well. And the other part of the end effect, that uh, you could call them fingers with a soft okay. sponge on them. This is to, they are for, to manipulate the the, the powder dispenser. So the, the powder dispensing is was also a, uh, hard or difficult for me to to figure out but then i i i think i found us i found i could say i found a solution for these small transfers you know like uh around one milligram if you okay. go much more than that it gets hard like i i tried i tried this machine for different things for many different so you, sometimes you want 50 milligrams uh, or 100 milligrams 
for these cases, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't say my solution is very good because it basically it makes a big mess. You know, it kind of right. works, but then the, the, the table gets totally full of powder. <laughs> so basically, it works like this: you you have a container, it's three D printed, it's, uh, and then you have a very small hole there, and then you have your sample inside. And uh, if you can do it yourself, you go to your kitchen and you get one of those um, salt dispensers. And if you put it upside down and just move it around, nothing will come out or very little will come out. But the moment you shake it, things come out. Right. So it's basically yeah. that. I make it I make it to shake. I shake it by okay. dropping it. I drop it and then it shakes. And the, the shaking is enough to dispense a very small amount of powder. And then I, uh, because maybe... This, I, this, we can talk more about that later, but because it's an interactive script or interactive mechanism there that the, the machine, the, the auto sample works together with the balance. So okay. the balance will tell, look, this is not enough. And then, I mean, of course it won't say like that, but uh, the, right. the, it, we will know it's not enough. And then the machine will come back, try again and repeat as many times as needed. Of course, this makes the procedure longer, but with some, practice you have the feeling it's like anything like uh, any other machine or you you know how many times you try like you could try three drops two drops depending on the specific powder you're dealing with yeah so how does it how does it communicate with the user does it does it send out a message that you have less mass or uh, yeah like uh, you don't need you don't need to be there uh, of course it's an <laughs> machine so it's like the robot speaks with the balance. Of course, this is not true, like, uh, but it's a very simple uh, way to see it. So uh, what I have actually is a script. So it's written AutoIt. And I, I don't know if you know, but I, I, I'm very f- a very big fan of AutoIt. <laughs> That's the, okay. only, the only reason why I really started doing all these things, because I saw a real potential. Because what is AutoIt? AutoIt is a scripting language that allows you to control software like in a very high level of programming. When you were working on the invention, what was your main focus on? Was it lowering the cost or adding more features or making the design simple or improving the accuracy and precision? Biggest priority by far was to have something that works, that will do the job and will not introduce any error or any contamination. So this this was the first absolute... Priority. It, it would need to be able to manipulate those thin capsules well and to deliver the powder, the two main tasks, to do them okay. well. So, so after you made your device, how did you actually characterize it and calibrate its weighing precision and accuracy? So uh, having the balance is, of course, very helpful. Yeah, It's already an instrument, a precise instrument. But uh, yeah, we want to know if it's really real. Yeah, we want to know if I'm not getting a... How, how could I know? So yeah, of course, I also have access to a laboratory where I do the measurements. And then I, I did an experiment. I explained the paper. So I weigh about 40 samples with the balance and I weigh 40 samples manually. And I put them to be measured in an elemental analyzer, which is a machine that gives you the amount of nitrogen, carbon, some elements in the in the samples. In this case, I only measured nitrogen because it was very quick. And then I, I did I did for that. Because if it works for nitrogen, it must work for, must work for carbon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Or other elements. And then and I know it okay. works. I've been using it. But in the paper okay. I explain for nitrogen. 
And if you see the results, uh, the, they match very well. And I've Great. done it again and again. It's not in the paper, but I always I verify if it's good. So I, I, I already measured for carbon as well, for oxygen and hydrogen, and it, it works very well. I think it's very useful. It helps me, really. It's not... So it has been tested over and over again, and, and you're yeah. convinced that it works. So it works. is there any room for improvement as far as device performance or speed or the range of applications? Well, I would say that definitely for maybe speed. I think the machine okay. is slow. I use simple stepper motors, uh, cheap linear actuators right. that I bought from AliExpress, you know, <laughs> this kind right. of thing, very, very accessible. Yeah which works, but uh, maybe if you really want high performance, you would go for, I don't know, some brushed servo motors, this kind of stuff that costs more. Or maybe even if you have the money, you go to uh, those robotic arms and that cost like a car and you would have something. And then the cost goes up, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, of course, the cost goes up. I saw you have published quite a few interesting papers in HardwareX before on liquid sampling also. So yeah. could you could you tell briefly about some of the papers? Yeah, look, uh, yeah, my first one you mentioned at the introduction it was that one for micro syringes, and uh, okay. that was my ver- very first say hardware project. You know, okay. if uh, I had no experience building anything, but at that point, except some kits, some robotic kits, some. So uh, okay. if I uh, to tell the whole story, so. Maybe in 2011, 2012, I found out AutoIt. I mentioned to you that scripting language. Yes. I yes. think, wow, this is really useful that when I saw that. But I didn't know what to do with that, really, to be honest. So I just okay. thought, no, the idea, the concept is very nice. I just don't know what to do with it. And then the day came, I I was at home, and then I, I got one of those pamphlets, and they, they showed a robot car, a toy. And it was so cheap. Like, I thought, what? <laughs> this is a robot no. car. And it costs only $50. And, wow. and I thought, okay. if I use this with AutoIt, I could really use it as an auto sampler. That's what I thought. I mean, at that point, okay. I believed that. <laughs> and then I bought the robot cam and then I, I, I tried. And then, I mean, I, okay. I, it wasn't a complete failure. <laughs> it, okay. It, okay. It's because the robot cam is very, it was moved. At that point, I, I, didn't, I had no idea, but it, it, it moved with several motors. And okay. as you know, they, no, not servo. No, no, no. DC motors. So you have no okay. control. Like you, if depending on the voltage, they go fast or slow, and then you don't know where they stop. And it was right, right. not appropriate. Okay. Anyway, anyway, uh, moving from there, I got, I found out about the work of Joshua Peace. And right. I, I was really inspired by that. You know, the, he really okay. knows how to write about that and to make people want to do that. And I think he does a, a very important job doing that because I do believe open hardware is very important. Anyway, after reading what he wrote, and I don't remember why he invited me to be a member of the editorial board. Oh, yeah, now I remember. Yeah, I, I think based on your background and your expertise. Yeah, yeah, no, I, now I remember. So when I uh, I wrote, actually, I published a book about Autoit because okay. Autoit is, I, I think it's very useful. So I, okay. I, I, I wrote a quick or a short script I sent to, to the editors and I said, look, why not? Let, let's write about, let's, let's have a book about it. And they said, yeah, that's a good idea. And then they okay. asked, so the, I worked on the book and then it, it got to a point where 
I needed some feedback, so I, I wrote to him. I, 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 I wrote to Joshua Peace and said, look, do you want to write like a foreword to my book? If you want, if you think it's worthy. And mm. said, yeah, sure. And then he did that, and I was very happy with that okay. because okay. he was very nice to me. <laughs> so then, what's, the, what's, the, what's the name of your book for our audience? Uh, Practical Laboratory Automation Made Easy with Autoid. So, and who's the publisher? Uh, Willie, Willie VCH. It's from okay. Germany. Yeah, that's how I got okay. touch with Josh, Joshua Peace. Then I was invited to the journal. And then at that point, I, I didn't have any, really, honestly, I, I had no background building stuff. And then, but then I, at the same time, I saw on the internet those guys building CNCs and 3D printers. And I, and I thought, well, if they built that, Someone right. can build that auto sampler that I have here, you know, the, the auto sampler, the commercial one. And I said, yeah. I'll try, I'll try and see how, how I go. And it, I okay. mean, it was hard. And you, all of those papers was hard for me. You know, there was no okay. easy one. And uh, for that one, uh, Rachel Murray, she helped me a lot. She was very clever okay. and she found some solutions for the, for the machine. And after that, we had that working in the, uh, yeah, and I use it. I use it to this day. Of course, I mean, I, I made some modifications on the original design, but I still use okay. it. Okay. Have you had readers come back to you and, and appreciate your work and ask yeah. you questions? Yes, yes. About the first one. The first one was, um, I think it, it caused uh, some impact. I don't know. Yeah, some kind of impact, some okay. kind of uh, surprise. Maybe okay. people see that, wow, wow, it can be done, you know? And then uh, yeah. uh, it was nice, you know, and people are interested. And uh, more than uh, a few times, people get in touch with me. They say, look, I'll try to buy, to build this. And I say, yeah, of course, try. And uh, if you need help, you can ask me. I built one yes. for a guy here in Australia and sent to him by, by mail. So, yes, it's, it, I think people are at least inspired by it. And uh, uh, right. the other one that I, I saw some feedback was the one for Open for Waters. Uh, for waters, okay. so people people in ecology they really want to, were uh, interested in that, and they because it's very simple, you know, it's it's, okay. it's, it's much simpler than maybe what they expected, and uh, and right. uh, I talked to some of them, and they it inspired them to publishing hardware X. I know when I see the authors there, I see some people that I I, I think it was because of me they published there. Okay. Yeah, that is great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the fields of uh, marine biology or water ecology, technology hasn't really penetrated those fields. So, uh, your work in those areas will also, I think, it will it will create an impact. Maybe. Yeah. 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 I hope so. I try to, like, as a member of the editorial board, I try to publicize as much as I can the journal. Okay. Without yes. being annoying, <laughs> but I try. <laughs> Thank I, you. Yeah. I, I try to to show that the journal exists, and because yeah. many people make these things, they just don't see as put a, it out there. Yeah, yeah they yeah. don't talk about it, and it, the journal is excellent for that. I think the idea of the journal was very good and very timely. You know, the yeah. now yeah. with all these open source controllers, three D printers, it's the time to do it. That's what I tell people. Look, now it's the time to do that. You know. To, to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for serving in the editorial board. What is your vision for the journal moving forward? Where do you see some of the new things being added to the journal or uh, things that would actually bring more readership to the journal? Well, yeah, this is a hard one. I, I, <laughs> I think priority number one is to get more 
well known. And people uh, try to make people agree with us that it's important, you know. And uh, I, 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 I think I think you already mentioned the the fact that you, as an author, you publish a paper. You want the readers to come back to you and appreciate your work and to take your work further. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, nowadays you have all these. Uh, you have Twitter. Uh, the journal has a Twitter right. account. Right. There are some ways to to chase that. I, I personally, what I I see is ResearchGate. For some reason, um, I mean, yes. it's nice because we see how many times people see the the paper, and I see my paper has been seen tens of thousands of times. You know, it's very nice to see that people at least are curious about it. I don't know how many of them really will do anything but at least they know they hear about it and they some of them will know what it means in terms of a laboratory because yeah i know so many people don't, don't even have any idea what of course is going on but uh, uh some people that work with okay. me they know those machines cost a lot and then when you you show that you can build one much like 150 times cheaper it's it's like right wow it, it, this is there's something i would be interested in that you know like a, a yes yes Thank you for coming to our show. We really appreciate your service to the community and service to the journal. And congratulations again for all the insightful papers that you have published. No, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. And, and, and thanks for inviting me. It's always nice to talk about these things. And, uh, and also, uh, well, congratulations for doing that, for take, uh, doing this podcast. And uh, yeah, thank it's, uh, you. It's very nice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.